nothing gets our attention more and nothing will shake the foundations of our life more than suffering. Where is God in the midst of my suffering? Does God really care about me? Does he really care about the things that are going on in my life? God, are you really in control? And that's why people walk away. They begin to question the very foundations of their life. They begin to question, God, if you really loved me, if you really cared for me, why did you allow this to happen? Why did this happen in my life? You're a good God. You're a loving God. You care for me. You care for the circumstances of our lives. And I think what we have to be careful is this. God does not promise that life is going to be easy. He never promised that life is going to be smooth sailing. That in, in, in life, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be highs and lows. There's a lot of times there's not a, di- a direct line from this point to the next point. It's, it's jagged. It's crooked. It doesn't look very good at all. And there's a lot of pain and suffering going on in our life. Simply look at the Bible. Look at a few things in the Bible. And we're reminded of the pain and suffering, the challenges that we encounter in life. John chapter 16, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's going to send them out. He's getting ready to go. He's telling them, I'm going to go to the cross. In John chapter 16, verse 33, notice what he says. He says, I've told you these things. I've given you all this instruction because I'm going to go to the cross. I've told you these things so that in me, in me, you have peace. How do you have peace in life? By looking to the unique person, the character of who Jesus is and what he would do. In me, you have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That's what we have. You and I, we experience the day in and day out of daily trouble coming into our lives. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. David, David, the, the, the great king, the one who could, could live, the one who could call and beckon people at his service at any particular point in time. In Psalm chapter 69, verse 3, notice what he calls. Notice what he writes. Notice the response of his heart. He says this, I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Here's, here's a guy who's likened to a man after God's own heart. And what he's saying, listen, I, I'm worn out calling for him. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. Where do I go? The pain in my life is very, very real. It could be Saul is pursuing me and he's going after me and I don't know what to do. It could be the rebellion of his own son, Absalom. His own son has usurped the thorny. He's had to run out and he's realizing that there's anguish and pain inside of his heart. God seems distant sometimes. What about Job? Job chapter 6, we have this, all these counselors, all these bad things happen to Job. Job chapter 6, notice, notice how Job replies. He says this, If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales. I, I want to take all of my pain and all of my suffering the loss of my family, the loss of everything that I have, and I, I want to weigh that. I want to bring it over here, and I want to place it on a scale. And if you were to weigh it, notice what he says. If you were to weigh it, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. Job is in anguish for the loss of the experiences, and it weighed upon his mind, and it weighed upon his heart in a powerful way, and it weighed him down in life. It was heavy upon him. Go back and read. Suffering in the Bible. Remember Naomi? One of my favorite books is the book of Ruth. Naomi, she has to leave. Her family has to leave because of a famine. When she leaves, she loses her two sons and her husbands. 
Another famine comes along the line. What is she going to do? I I know what we're going to do. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to my city. So she comes back into the city, and she's entering the city. People recognize her. Naomi, Naomi. And you remember what she says? Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very, very bitter. She realized that God had done some things in her life, and she came to him and she said, I am a bitter, bitter woman right now because of the circumstances of my life. Lost my two sons, lost my husband, I don't know what to do. But I am very, very bitter in life. So what I want to do this morning is this. I'm just going to change gears, and uh, just for time, um, what will happen is I, I have a sermon prepared, and if I give that, it's going to take a little bit of time, and I really don't want to rush it. So what we're going to do is I want to invite you to just open your Bible to Psalm 13. Let me shift gears a little bit, and let me just open uh, our, our thoughts, our time to, to Psalm 13, and let's just walk through this psalm and, and see a psalm of David. See what's going on in David's life. See what we might learn and how we can apply some things, some principles. And what I want to do is I just want to walk through and look at some principles from Psalm 13. Look at verses 1 and 2. Remember, this is, this is David, the great king. Think about all the different things that he'd experienced in life, the, the, the killing of, of, of Goliath, the, the mighty battles that he'd fought, all of these things in his life. I mean, this is a guy who had fought some pretty incredible battles in time. Notice he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? What is David doing? David is having a a conversation with the Lord, and he's asking the Lord, how long? Lord, I'm in pain, I'm in suffering. We don't know the exact uh, circumstances, context of this. But he's asking genuinely, he's asking of the Lord, Lord, how long? I'm I'm waiting for a long time. Will you forget me? Have you forgotten about me? Forgotten about the circumstances of my life? I'm I'm going through some really, really deep things here. I feel as if you've you've hidden yourself from me. I I can't find you. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm in this deep, dark place of despair. And only that, I'm wrestling inside with these thoughts. Wrestling with where you're at, who you are, what you've done, what's going on in my life. And every day, every day I have sorrow. Every day there's this, this weightiness of my life. Every day I'm confronted with this pain, with the circumstances, and I don't know what to do. Where are you in the midst of this? And how long am I going to suffer? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Probably some kind of real enemy pursuing him, going after him in life. Don't we have enemies in life? This enemy called death? Maybe there's an enemy in your life that maybe is treating you unjustly, treating you to a way that's poor, maybe. There's some other kind of enemy. There's this other situation, this pain and suffering in your life that's very, very real, and it's become an enemy to you. It's very, very real in our life. And that's what David is saying. Something is going on in my life. There's an enemy in my life that's, that's causing me pain, that's causing me suffering. And notice what he does in verse 3. He doesn't give up. He acknowledges who God is. He's very, very heartfelt. He cries out to God in his emotions. And verse 3, notice what he says. Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. He, he doesn't abandon his faith. He doesn't abandon his relationship. He, he says, Lord, 
Look on me. Pay attention to me. Look at my circumstances. Look at all the different things going on in my life. And what I want you to do is I want you to answer me. You are my God. You're not some distant God. You're my God. You're my personal God. I love you. I care for you. I want to be surrounded by your love. I want to be surrounded by who you are. You are the one that I put my faith and my trust ultimately in. He's showing an affirmation of being dependent upon the Lord in the midst of his pain and his suffering. In the midst of his crying out to the Lord, he's not running off. He's saying, God, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to trust you. He's absolutely dependent upon the Lord. Look again at verse 3. Notice what he says. Give light to my eyes or what I will sleep in death. He's saying, God, I, I have nowhere else to go. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire but you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but you are the strength of my life and my portion forever, Psalm 73 says. And that's what he's declaring in his heart. Lord, you are the one that needs to give light to my life. You need to open my mind and my heart to who you are. Let me see the reality of who you are and what you've done in my life. Give light to my vision. Give light to my heart. Give light to my soul. Flood myself with who you are and what you've done for us. He's absolutely dependent upon the Lord because he recognizes the enemies out there. Looking into verse 4, my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fail. Enemies, what do they want to do? They, they want to take us down. They want to overcome us. Even death does not destroy our relationship with God. Even as something as bad and as horrible as death can be seen in the light of the cross, can be seen in the light of the resurrection, can be seen in the light of faith and trust in Jesus and enjoying him forever and ever and ever. I remember in the book, there's a, a, a day when I think Megan and, um, was reading a part of this book, The Purpose Driven Life, and on this particular day, it was focused on heaven and all the wonderful blessings of heaven. And it seemed, as she was writing, it was recorded that this was the day that um, Tim was reflecting on, the day that he passed away. And it's this idea that we are going to spend eternity in heaven, that we're going to go from, from this place, this brokenness, this broken world, this death that surrounds us, and we are going to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. And that's the beauty of our relationship with him. And all of the enemies, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the trials, all of the tribulations, whatever we're going through, whatever we're experiencing right now, that's going to be done away with. And no one is going to be able to say, I triumph over you. No one is going to be able to say that. Because Jesus is the victor. He's the one that gives us life, and he's the one that will continue to give us that life. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes rejoice when I fall. God says, listen, I am with you. I will walk with you through life. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us. He is with us. I think you consistently heard from the story of Lois that God was with her. Even in the little things that Megan would say or Julie would say or Josh would say, those little nuggets of truth that God would maybe whisper to her, whisper words of truth, even as she went through and experienced all of these things, that God is with us, that God is, has a purpose in all of this. And notice how David ends this. How long, how long, how long, how long, but God. But God. 
Verse 5 says, but I trust in what your unfailing love, your unfailing, the, the love demonstrated to us in the unique person of Jesus who would go to the cross and offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Our sin ultimately, our, our brokenness is ultimately what has brought this thing called death into the world. And, and when David says, listen, I trust in your unfailing love. I will fail at times. Life will fail at times. God says, I will display to you my unfailing love given to you in the unique person of Jesus and who he is. And I trust in that. When I can't feel it, maybe my, I'm wrestling with my thoughts. That's what David says here. I'm wrestling with my thoughts. I'm wrestling with my emotions. I'm wrestling with what's going on. What am I going to do? I'm going to trust in the fact that you love me and that you care for me and that you will intervene in my life in a mighty and powerful way. I trust in that. And notice what else he says. My heart, what it, it, it rejoices in what? Your salvation. It's talking about deliverance, that God is going to bring about deliverance. This side of the cross that we know we're going to find deliverance. We're going to find deliverance from our pain and suffering. We're going to find deliverance from our enemies. We're going to find deliverance from all of those things because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Ultimately, we will experience it. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, life, death, burial, and resurrection of who Jesus is, that he conquered death, he conquered disease, he conquered pain, he conquered suffering. All of that has been placed upon him. And then David ends in verse 6 with why we sing together. He says this, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Notice what he says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. What is David doing? David's looking back on his life. He says, listen, I'm not stuck here, but God has has been good to me in the past. I I can look back and reflect on my life, and I can can see the footprints of God, and I can see his hand in my life. I can see all the wonderful things he's done in the past. And because of God being consistently loving and caring to me in the past, I know that he will consistently do that to me in the future. And I, and I can sing to the Lord a new song. My heart can burst forth, not because of me, but because of what the Spirit of God is doing inside of me. See, what we have this side of the cross is the Word of God, we have the Spirit of God, and we have the people of God who come alongside of us and to help us and to care for us in a mighty and powerful way. I will sing to the Lord, for He has been good to me. Even in the midst of the how longs, even in the midst of his wrestling, even in the midst of him forgetting, what is he doing? He's affirming the goodness of God. The Lord is good. The Lord will protect me. The Lord will keep me safe. Do you look to the Lord? Do you trust him for who he is and what he's done? In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, even if you're in here where David is asking those questions of how long, Don't give up. Don't give up. God is good. God will deal with you. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We have the Word of God to encourage us. We have people to come alongside of you. It was was good to hear of the affirmation, not of Hope Church, but of Christians who came alongside and offered this extension of God's comfort, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse talks about They become an extension of God's comfort. As God brings comfort to them, they have the opportunity to bring comfort to other people. 
And that's why we need each other in the body of Christ. That's why we need the family of God together because life is incredibly difficult and challenging. James chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Consider all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. You know what the word encounter means? That's the idea of ambush. April 3rd, 2003, they were ambushed. They encountered an incredibly difficult trial. And that's what happens in life for us. We are ambushed. We are surprised by pain and suffering in our life. But according to Psalm 13, we have a God who loves us and cares for us and will enter into life with us. Father, this morning has just been a testimony of your goodness and your grace. Father, in the midst of pain and suffering, you are right there with us. Father, thank you that we have the affirmation that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Father, I thank you that we have the spirit of a living God living inside of us who will comfort us, who will teach us, who will help us when life is difficult and life is challenging. Father, whether it be in the midst of our pain and suffering, or wherever we would find ourselves today, Lord, I ask that you would continue to reveal yourself to us because you are faithful. You are faithful, and we trust you for your faithfulness and what you're going to do, not only today, tomorrow, but in the future. Father, thank you that we have a Savior who's gone before us and that we will one day be reunited in heaven with all of our loved ones, and we will be to sing, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.